Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. In this episode, I have a return guest, Dr. Robin McCutcheon, who teaches economics at Marshall University. She has a website, which is linksync.com, L-Y-N-C-S-Y-N-C.com. And on March 19th, she will be having a half-a-day virtual conference, which she encourages anybody to listen into and log into. And all the information there is on her website, which again is linksync.com. So go ahead and check that out. But uh, we have a conversation here regarding a number of different issues, both political and K-12 education and higher education. And she also shares her thoughts on how what has happened over this last year is probably a blessing in disguise. So go ahead and give this a listen, share it if you're interested, and enjoy the conversation. Right off the bat here from, I guess, just given the fact that here we are, of course, a month into 2021, what does Marshall University look like right now from a visual standpoint? (laughs) I have no idea. I haven't been to campus since almost a year ago, March, and I would imagine based on the fact that very, very few classes are face-to-face, it probably looks like a deserted island, you know. I I think, um, I I don't know how many students are actually living on campus, you know, residents. Most of my students, because I'm teaching virtual classes, I think most of my students are actually not on campus. They're probably at home. And, um... So I, I'm thinking that it looks a lot like a, like an abandoned ghost town. <laughs> yeah, Miami University looks exactly the same. It's totally empty. Uh, everybody's masked up. People are walking around, walking their dogs outside by themselves, wearing masks. Nobody's on campus. Yeah. And you know the one thing yeah. the one thing I've brought up in the past, which I, I, I think is really going to be problematic for all of these schools, and I think they're already figuring it out, in, 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 including K-12 schools, is that they've just inadvertently created school choice. And, yeah. how, and, and how do they get rid of it now that they have it? it they're, they're not. They're not. And, you know, this is one of the silver linings that I've been, I've been kind of blasting since, oh, maybe April last year when I, I suddenly went, oh, my gosh. <laughs> all these people are are teaching their students at home. This is it's exactly what you just said. School choice was forced upon everyone. Only the school of choice was your dining room. Yeah. And um, you know how cool because it the, this whole action there 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 has never been a way um, for parents who know who are in the know that the K twelve system is really a communist setup. There's never been a way in the past for those parents to get the other parents red-pilled and woken up to see that what their what their students are learning in school is complete BS. And now we've had almost a year of it. So, you know, I don't know, inadvertently, can we put inadvertently in quotes, like accidentally, everybody with school-age, K-12 school-age children have gotten have gotten it right in their face just how bad the school system education system is. Yeah. So you know how many parents are how many parents are going to be inspired to send their students back to school? I don't know. Um, 
I'm thinking that that students that are old enough to stay home and teach themselves when they're one or both parents go back to work, if ever, that those, the, I'm thinking a lot of those students are going to stay home and go, nah, I don't need to go back. I'll just do my own studying. Um, even my own daughter is, this, this whole thing was, um, this was a blessing because her son, my grandson, um, she was having him do pre-K at like three and a half. And it, and it was really, it was really tough for him. I, I don't think he was, I don't think he was old enough, right? Do you know, there's an, there's a, a massive amount of maturity that happens between the ages of three and four, four and five, five and six. And at six, you're twice as old as you were at three. And because everybody got shuffled off to home last March, um, my daughter and, and her husband were doing a lot of at-home teaching, um, you know, virtual an hour a day or an hour every other day virtual learning with the pre-K school, but it forced them to take time with their child. And um, she's now questioning. Uh, she was going to send him off to kindergarten at the age of five, you know, this coming up fall, and now she's thinking, eh, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, yeah. I'm not liking this. So I think that... I mean, this is there are there are silver linings to this whole situation that um, once you get done being mad and upset and angry, and you take a couple of steps back, it's really easy, or it's easier to see all of the good things that came out of this. And I and I think that more and more people are are waking up to the fact that um, that they've been asleep in the matrix for a while. Yeah. So if I can, if I can grab some some uh, movie magic, and um, I mean, and it, and it happens over and over. Like for instance, um, you may you may have woken up, but then something sets you off, and you find yourself waking up again. Like um, inauguration day, I kept watching it on the TV, and and there were sunny skies, but I was looking at the Washington webcam, and it was overcast. I'm like, what the hell? Yeah. Do they think we're stupid? <laughs> well, obviously, they think we're stupid. Yeah. Obviously. So, you know, I think that uh, I think that the entire education system is going to change. And now we have there's a teacher group. I don't remember where it's at, but they're they're um they're not wanting to go back to school. They want to get paid anyway. They want to keep doing I don't know virtual classes and. Parents are getting upset, and students are, I don't know, students are getting upset. I, I don't know a student alive that wouldn't want to sleep in. <laughs> yeah, I, I, think they're, I think they're working very, the media, of course, is working very, very hard to keep the matrix alive. And they're working very hard to continue to perpetuate uh, horrific examples of propaganda that are... I mean, at face value, they make absolutely no sense. Just like what you said with, with students wanting to wake up early, take a shower, get dressed, and go to a brick-and-mortar school. I find that hard to believe, and I find it actually hard to believe that um, now all of a sudden the media is spending so much time talking about higher rates of student suicide. I mean, I, I 
I, I, I just yesterday I wrote an uh, an article for American Thinker. It probably won't get published, but um, I specifically spoke about that and how the the one statistic that they're not going to keep track of is the one thing that the two of us have talked about now for a year at least, and that is that because of these circumstances, the Im- the improved mindedness of students ha- has to be dramatic. Uh, right. You know, how, how many students are, are better now than they were when they were attending an unhealthy school environment in, you know, in, in person? I mean, no one's keeping track of those statistics, but they're very quick to say, well, 18 students killed themselves in the Las Vegas school system, so we need to get back to school because they're killing themselves. Well, have you noticed how many school shootings we've had in the last year? (laughs) (laughs) Zero. I know. Isn't that funny? I mean, not to be morbid. No. Not to be morbid. And, and yeah, I've heard the media come out with, oh, my God, we've got to get these kids back to school because what about all those parents that are abusing their kids? I haven't heard of one. Have you? Uh, yeah, I, I, I've, I've, I heard of, a, I heard a horrible story of a parent who was abusing her children for not wearing masks appropriately, and she was a. Yeah, but that's not. Yeah, yeah. Right. Not connected to school. Correct. You know, some poor parent has lost her mind. Yeah. Right. Right. Oh, yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I mean, I'm. Uh, th- there were those. But re- that's all. That's all part of that that brainwashing. That, that people are exposing themselves to by watching the mainstream media. I mean, my own sister, who is just a wee bit younger than I am, she's, she, she actually, when this whole thing started, was an anti-masker. Um, she was maybe a half a step from being a libertarian. And she moved out to, she moved out to Oregon Literally, as the pandemic was shutting everything down. I mean, literally, that week she was moving out to Oregon. And now she's a flaming lefty. Wow. The, the change in nine months has been, I don't think she sees it, but to me, from my eyes, I mean, I've, been, I've practically been disowned. <laughs> Seriously. Wow. Yeah, so. What caused you know, that? I have no idea. All I all I can think of is um, she she perhaps she came under the influence of someone she'd rather listen to, and I suspected that her her older mid to late twenties children who have lived out there for a while and maybe already are lefties. It's difficult for me to tell. I mean, because I know her. I know her husband is a strong staunch libertarian um and and he admitted to me separately in a in a different email that he can't believe the change in his wife because she has gone full bore full tilt commie and i thought hmm wonder how long that marriage is gonna last now no kidding apparently she's not she's not watching the videos of people sobbing their eyes out because they just lost their jobs yeah yeah so anyway, I mean, I think it. I think the amount of um, the amount, the number of people who are still blue pilled, who are still living in the matrix, uh, is probably directly proportional to how much mainstream media that they that they ingest, whether it's on the news or in the papers or anything. But 
But you and I both know that all of this media is owned really by just a few people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's um, it's amazing to me. I've I've had to I've had to stop emailing because for some reason, just even saying how's the weather out there tilts her off into a rant, and I'm I'm just you know. I, I don't need that kind of uh, negativity. I mean, even I have taken to not watching very much media. I might turn it on the Weather Channel to see what's going on over the next week, and still, you know, they get it wrong half the time anyway. It's, it's sometimes much better to just stick your hand out the door and see if it's raining. Yeah, it's far more accurate, no doubt. Yeah, but, but I have been using the Internet to... I've been scouring the internet for um, information that I don't want to say I have a confirmation bias, but I know I know bullshit when I hear it. I've I've seen it enough for an, enough decades that I I don't need to know what the other side is saying. Although I will tell you that Tim loves watching mainstream media just to see what they are saying. Yes. Yep. He says, you always have to know what the enemy is talking about. And I was like, I don't need to know that much. <laughs> I really don't. I know what they're saying. No, I'll tell you what. I, I, so, I mean, briefly, I agree, I agree with him to some extent. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll quickly turn it on and I'll say to myself, okay, let's see how long this lasts. And I'll say it out loud. Right. And then I turn it on right. and I'll just read the bottom and I'll go, well, that lasted five seconds. And then, it, right. you know, and then well, it's off. But, yeah. He, he, has, he, he has a much longer attention span only because he sees it as entertainment it's not entertaining to me to watch some of this it just really isn't because the the, the knock-on effects are can be detrimental and you know in my mind i'm looking at the ripple effects well how is this going to go out to say the fox news audience which is thankfully greatly decreased now since the election <laughs> I mean, yeah. they, they kill themselves. They really, they really do. They do it to themselves. You know, I. So. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I, th I think that. Uh, well, I mean, you know, to sort of stick with the Matrix example, just very quickly. Even in that movie, they they specifically describe that there will be people that have to defend the Matrix. I mean, yeah. they, they they've lived in it their entire lives. And they don't want to disrupt their patterns of behavior. And so they'll actually fight for something that isn't real. That's right. Just, That's right. Just to maintain so, this, you know, their, their normal wavelength of thinking. Right. So, yeah, um, I, was, I was greatly distressed the day after the installation. But I was still greatly distressed at the... I don't know, several dozen executive orders that Biden was writing. And I, I did, I was amused when I, when I saw him say, I don't even know what I'm signing. And then people pointed out, those are blank pages. Oh, yeah, they are. Because whenever, whenever Trump would sign an executive order, he'd sign it in this great big Sharpie so you could see his signature. And then he'd turn it around so you, so you could see that there was writing on the page, you yeah. know, official White House letterhead and everything. Yeah. And um, and I started getting distressed, and then finally, I I got I got some clarity. Some I took a couple of steps back, took a deep breath, and went, "Okay, what if, what if the whole plan 
was to get people to see how awful this whole situation would be should a Biden administration stay in power. What? So, so I heard somebody say earlier that um, um, Trump red-pilled, you know, most of his base, and now the Democrats are red-pilling the rest of the United States by their actions. Yep. I mean, Biden wrote an executive order yesterday, or maybe the day before, um, outlawing anybody to say China virus. I saw that. And I thought, gosh, if that just doesn't wake people up, I don't know what will. But but maybe more is needed. Maybe more pain needs to come. Um, the attorney general in West Virginia had a hairball cat fit the other day when Biden nixed the XL Keystone Pipeline because that's going to kill jobs in West Virginia. And, and he was saying, I don't understand it. And I'm thinking, I do. I could explain it to you really easy. It'd be along the lines of what Melissa Carone was saying up in Michigan. Democrats just like to ruin your life. <laughs> yeah, and it is that simple. Yeah. I had a phone call with someone from the Koch Foundation yesterday. They, they want to... Uh, they want to put a letter in front of Joe Manchin that says, basically, if you raise the minimum wage to $15 an hour, you're really going to kill jobs in West Virginia. Well, we know that, right? That's common sense. And I said that I said to him, I said, yeah, okay, yeah, you can do that. I don't think it's going to work. And he said, why not? Joe Manchin has become a really powerful man in Washington. I said, yeah, that's because he's a swing vote. He's a swing vote on... Washington D.C. Survivor Island, and right. and the the only reason he's still there is because he wants power and control. He doesn't. He, he honestly, he doesn't. I can guarantee you, he doesn't give up two rats' tails about his constituents in West Virginia because he always, always goes along with the Democrats. Oh yeah, he'll waver in the wind and he'll put out a good press conference and he turns around and he votes against his. So, you know, and I told the guy, I said, that's fine. You know, I, I don't mind helping out with a little white paper to put in front of Joe's eyes. But I can guarantee you it's not going to make a difference. And that, that just so deflated the poor guy from the Koch Foundation. He was like, you really think so? And I was like, well, just take a look at his voting record, for God's sakes. Yeah. And he's been in office I mean, for a very long time, and he's done nothing. Right. He's been there since uh, Bird died in the summer of 2010. When as, when as governor of West Virginia, he appointed himself to the Senate seat to replace Byrd. And, you know, um, the, the, only, the only reason that you would stay, the only, uh, um, unless you were helping your constituents, which would be a thankless job, because there's probably only seven or eight people in the whole Senate there who are actually helping their own constituents. Everybody else is there for power and control. I mean, take a look at what's going on in the market with this GameStop uh, pump and dump. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I saw a comment on a, one of the social boards that I lurk in that uh, memes put a president in office. You think the memes can't take, take down a hedge fund or two? Yeah, <laughs> they certainly can. Yeah. yeah, so it's it's like that introduction on the Quite Frankly show where the the um, the grasshopper is saying, 
you let one ant kind of get it in his head that uh, they there are more ants than than grasshoppers, and and the whole thing comes piling down on your head. That's not the exact quote, but it's you let one of them stand up. Yeah, you let one of them stand up. The the uh, the rest of them will stand up. Then they'll all stand up. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's heartbreaking to you know, in particular you know th- th- there was recently again a, it was on gateway pundit i believe a, a video of a guy who, who lost his job and he's sitting in his car uh, he's got the hard hat on he cracks open a, a 16 ounce beer starts drinking it he goes i just lost my job today along with all my friends he goes i yeah. i just bought a car i gotta sell that now i'm not going to be able to make a mortgage payment he starts screaming then he starts burping and then that's the end of the video i mean it's really yeah you know, and he just, and he says it, yeah, in the stroke of a pen, 70,000 people just lost their jobs. Yeah, yeah. So my, my so, question, my question is, is when is, when is the charade going to stop? And when are, you know, when is the, when is this faux presidency going to stop? Well, that's, that's a good question. I kept hearing people throw out dates. Well, it's going to stop on inauguration day. And it didn't. Well, it's going to stop, you know, the next day. And maybe sometime this week, or maybe sometime next week, or maybe by February the 8th, you know, when they impeach Trump for the second time. Well, you know, how funny is that? Just sidetrack. You know, if they can impeach a former president, what's to stop everybody else from going back and impeaching Obama and Bush and Clinton? Right. But, you know. Or any private citizen. Yeah. Or, or, any, or any president at this point. Um, let's see, where was I going with this? And and to not, and to not have a chief justice over over you know residing over the entire thing. I mean, the entire thing seems so fake. Uh, yeah. and it well, and it should even to the layperson who doesn't understand the constitutionality of of impeachments. Right. Well, I I've been saying for a while um, that we we the people are going to get a crash course in U.S. constitutional law. And, um, and so, oh, I know where I was going this. Well, when is, when is this faux thing going to stop? The faux thing is going to stop when there's enough people who have been red-pilled and woken up out of the matrix and look around and go, what the hell is going on? Why are we letting us, Trump, I don't think Trump is going to save this. I think we're going to save ourselves. Um, I, I also saw a short video clip, somebody was um, videoing Trump as he was coming off one of the, um, one of the greens or, or the end of a hole on a golf course. And, um, I saw the same thing. Did you, did you, and Trump's, Trump's said, we're not done yet. Yep. Now as he's off camera, he says, we're not done yet. And I thought, okay, well, Maybe part of the plan is waking everybody up and letting the deep state do it to their people, do it to their, do it to their own ants. Yeah. I just think that, that we have not seen, we have not seen the last uh, scene in this movie. And, and in the middle of the night last night, you know, I'm, I'm one of those, I'm a date person, right? Cause I live by Franklin planner. So I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for a date, and I, I literally jolted out of sleep in the middle of the night last night, and I thought, it's not about a date. It's about the energy 
in the country. It's about the gathering of, it's almost like watching a wave on, on a lake. A wave you don't see until the last little bit, but the wave gathers its energy to then produce the white cap. And, and it, you don't see that, you don't see the wave until the last minute, but the energy is there producing the wave. And it's, this is going to stop when the wave actually gets produced. And it's going to be the American people. I mean, already state attorneys general are, are pushing back on, on the O'Biden administration, you know, Obama and Biden, the, the O'Biden administration to say, stop doing this. This is hurting us. Well, people aren't people don't change until they get to as Dave X twenty two says until they get to the precipice of destruction. That means they're hanging off the cliff. They're not standing five feet away from the cliff. They are looking down into the abyss because they're hanging by two fingers. That's when they make the change. That's when they wake up. And you know we've had lots of movies like this. Like one of them, one of my favorites is the day the Earth stood still with Keanu Reeves. And he goes to visit this old scientist, and the scientist says, you know, we can change. And, and the Keanu character says, yeah, but you haven't so far. And he goes, yeah, but that's because people haven't been pushed to the edge. They will change when they're pushed to the edge. We're getting pushed. Yeah. Some of us, like you and me and other people who are already awake, we've we've stepped up to the, to the lip of the cliff, and we look down and... God, that's an awful long way down. And then we sort of slide off to the side and we let the rest of the bunch come up behind us. Because we already know what's out there. So so it's our job as people who are awake to, as I think as gently as possible, to kind of, I don't want to say poke, but to just keep setting the information. as As, as long as people... I think as long as you don't beat people over the head with it, just say, did you know, like for instance in class yesterday, I said to my students, we were going through the um, Bill of Rights, and we got to, you know, we're starting on the first one, freedom of speech, I said, did you know Biden signed an executive order yesterday, meaning Tuesday, that you can't say the phrase China virus? And and my students were like, you got to be kidding. I said, no, isn't that an impingement of your freedom of speech? And we're like, well, yeah. And I said, but did you know that? Well, no. I said, you got you got to go look. Yeah. You got to you got to go do your own research. And it's really the only way to break people out of a, a brainwashing or indoctrination cult is to get them to start thinking. Um, you know, math is a great way of breaking someone out of being brainwashed because math is very logical. I mean, unless you're using woke math, and then that's not helpful. But having people do their own research, put a question out. Did you know? And when they say no, and most of the time they're going to say no, say go go look. Yeah. Um, I I put out in class the other day in my advanced class. I put out. I said go check out Nasara N E S A R A and Gusara G E S A R A. And tell me what you think. Well, I had one student come back and say, well, I, I found Nasara, but I didn't find anything on Gusara. And I said, which, which internet browser were you using? And he came back and he said, Chrome. And I said, which is? He went, oh, it's Google. I said, yeah. Yeah. Maybe try something like, I don't know, DuckDuckGo or Firefox or something not controlled by 
you know, the big six. Yeah. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this so, out there, w- w- whether you know about this one or not, but give Start Page a try. Start, start page. It's called Start Page. Start Page is a good, a good web browser. Um, it's a search engine, uh, and it's and much like start. that. Yes, yeah, Start Page. S T A R T P A G E. It's per, okay. It's purple, okay. and uh, okay. it, at the top, though, much like DuckDuckGo, there's a there's a regional option where you can pick. So you can pick regional, worldwide, whatever. Or and and then there's a um, a filter option also. So it'll say, okay. you know, moderate or turn it off. And I always turn it off and, uh, you can start searching for something. But I mean, even, even that one over the course of time here, it, it, I don't want to say that it's been taken over, but there was a time when that was first around and you could find, I mean, anything you wanted. And then mm-hmm. now it's gotten to the point where maybe you have to go to the second page or the third page to actually find the answer. But, uh, yeah, right. toss that one out. Okay, well, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. I'll give it a shot. Um, along so, yeah. I t- go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I just think that there are, if, if you are, if, if you're willing to take a deep breath and take a couple steps back and relieve yourself of your anger and upsetness so that your common sense and your logic centers can start working again, I think what people are going to start finding is they're going to they're going to start seeing a lot of truth, and um, and I'm not talking about QAnons and stuff like that. I'm talking about just being able to put one and one together and come up with two. Like um, for instance, um, it, it it wasn't me who found the picture of um, Biden sitting in the in the fake Oval Office. Or the video of the fake Oval Office where where Trump is walking in the background. You know, I happened upon a page, a a chat page where where that was posted, and I was like, "Huh, well, isn't that interesting?" So I started I started doing my own research. Well, what does the Oval Office look like? Well, if you're looking at Trump sitting in the Oval Office in the daytime, there's trees right behind his window outside. But in the Oval Office where Biden was sitting, there weren't any trees. It was a parking lot. There was one tree, but no part. But there was a parking lot. And I'm like, that can't possibly be the same Oval Office. Now here's an interesting piece. We were told that the that the military did not send any plane for Biden to get on. He had to hire his own private plane. We assume he got off the plane somewhere in D.C. at at, at Dulles or Reagan National. But what if he got off the plane in Hollywood, where the Castle Rock Entertainment Studios are, which has the Oval Office set, movie set? Yeah. We assumed Yeah. he got off in D.C., but what if he didn't? Yeah, there's, a, there's also a great video, and it, it's, it, it's very short, but it, it shows the Space Needle in Seattle. Um, and it was, again, it was either that or the CN Tower uh, in Toronto, but an individual is in, a, is in their apartment complex or condo uh, in, in the downtown area, and they're looking out their window, and they're seeing the tower, and then they're looking at their television, and there are fireworks going off around it on New Year's, on New Year's, uh, you know, New Year's morning when, it, when, the, when, the clock, when the clock struck midnight. 
and he's just moving his camera back and forth between the two, and the television, of course, is just telling him something that's not actually happening. Right. Well, on, on the night of the installation, there supposedly were fireworks in D.C., except nobody in D.C. saw fireworks. That was all on the TV. Yep. So, I mean, you know, it, it's the preponderance of evidence. I mean, how many different little pieces of information do you need before you go, that's not right? Yeah. That's, that's just fake. One of the um, one of the more interesting ones too, I thought was was the changing of Jill Biden's shoes. Oh, that was great. How about jo how about Joe Biden had three different ties on? Did he really? <laughs> wow. Yeah, and there was there was a video where they're walking down Pennsylvania Avenue and they turn up into the driveway at the White House, and the White House is blurry. Parts of the White House are blurry, and then if you if you turn off the sound, um, and I found turning off the sound is quite helpful because then I'm not distracted by my ears. You turn off the sound and you run this video a couple of times, and you realize that they're walking on a set, and everything it's like watching Jumanji. You've seen Jumanji with the rock in it, you know. It's a total set. It's all a green screen, and so you see what's in the foreground, but what's in the background. Um, you, you can see the outline of things. Like I was watching the soldiers holding the flags uh, along the side of the road up the driveway to the White House, and their hats were disappearing. No kidding. Yeah. So, you know, like I said, how many, you know, at that point, I, I am, I'm now looking for, um, for things that aren't right. For instance, when Joe held his right arm up at the, at, you know, he's taking the oath, and the shadowing between him underneath his arm and the people behind him is all wrong for the way the sun was positioned. Yeah. And and so, you know, you, you start looking at all this, and, and pretty soon you realize what you're looking at is just fake. It's just made up. But but, now, but who is it that's pulling the strings? Because we, we've, you know, throughout this entire time, of course, we've thought that it's 100% the military. But then again, on the on the opposite end, is it a foreign entity? I mean, would, 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 our, would our own military allow a foreign entity to control these individuals and have them produce, you know, so to speak, the, the inauguration um and, and trick as many people as, of course, they're tricking. I mean, who's in control is, is I guess, the, the big question. Well, I, I'm not sure, but let me answer it with another question. If you wanted to shake the populace out of their stupor, how would you do it? You know, obviously, you, you can't use Trump because... You know, the non-Trump base are going to go. I don't believe that. Right. So how would you do it? Would you would you let would you let the interlopers stay, quote unquote, in office and and play at making laws and writing executive orders? Would you would you let that continue just to wake the other half of the country up? I mean, I, I think if, if who, whoever. Whoever is pulling the strings, the whole I think the whole objective is now to get as many people awake as possible so that 
so that we can look and see, how, you know, how deep and wide and nasty that swamp is. Because it's only when people have been shaken out of their sleep and they look around and they say, that's not right, we've got to change that. That's that's the only time that you can start um, installing change. That's, you know, if the whole purpose is to go back to the original Constitution, then you can't have the deep state there running things. Right. You've got you've to have... And you've got to have a way of taking people out of the equation. Um, didn't you find it interesting that uh, right after Senator Leahy um, gave the, the jurors in the Senate, swore them in as jurors in the Senate for the second impeachment, that he, that he becomes quite ill, ill enough to be hauled off to the hospital? Yeah, interesting timing. Interesting timing, you know, so, so how many coincidal incidences, not coincidences, but coincidal incidences do you need for people to finally, you know, become awake? Um, and somebody else put it in a way that I thought was interesting. If, if you walk into your child's bedroom um, to wake them up in the morning, if you startle them awake, um, it's it's a traumatic experience. They don't know where they're at. They, they don't know who they are. I mean, on the other hand, if you gently wake them up, then they then they come into consciousness in a much easier fashion. So maybe some of this that we're seeing going on is a gentle waking up. It's not in your face. You're not being clobbered over the head with it. But you get enough clues and pieces that eventually your logical brain starts kicking in. And, it, and your logic brain doesn't kick in until you stop being mad, you stop being angry, you set your emotion aside, and you just start looking. So I, I think that that's I think that that's a lot of what the plan is. I, I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure that um, it was never. I, I, I said to my sister, this was never about Trump. It's never been about Trump. It's about getting people to see the truth of things. And of course that just, you know, spun her off in a leftward facing dervish again. So <laughs> that that was not helpful for her because she's not ready to face the truth. Right. That everything that she's ever known, everything that, that she's ever been taught, everything that she's ever learned has been a lie. Yeah. And that that certainly is a hard thing to swallow for somebody that's that's not paying attention to things or not reading and like you said not doing their own research and investigating. Well, it's hard. It's hard even for me. I mean, I didn't know this. Um, I didn't know about this Organic Act of eighteen seventy one when Congress basically, you know, sold our sold their nation out to the Vatican and the Crown Bank in London. The 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 not London the city, but. Um, the was that the Rothschilds Bank in London? Yes. They they yeah yeah mm. I didn't know about that, and I thought my God we've been living a lie for a hundred and fifty fifty sixty years. Yeah. That's amazing. And then and then somebody said, oh no no they they repealed that law. Well yeah they did in 1874 but then by 1878 they had all the pieces back in law again. So we've been sold out for 
five or six generations. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's um, it's a difficult thing. Even you know, and I, and I kind of want to turn this back to to your students for a moment. In in particular, when it comes to these kinds of conversations and political kinds of conversations, um, what kind of questions do you receive from your students during this time, and and how do you how do you approach it with them? Um, sort of given the you know the the new classroom dynamic that exists, and the and the teacher student relationship that that takes place. Well, truthfully, the, we're only in, let's see, class started on the, for me, the 20th, because I'm only teaching Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So I've only had one, two, three, four classes at most. And most students don't, at this point, they're not asking questions because the information's coming at them so hard and so fast, they're, they're basically drowning in information. Sure. But I do get one or two students who are in my senior level classes who will come back with, okay, I did look up that Nasara thing, and I thought it was kind of interesting. And I just want to leave them with that. I said, well, just munch on that for a while. You know, I, I, um, my objective in teaching the class is to get them to start asking more questions than I do. So a lot of my questions are start out with, did you know? Yeah. Did you know that Biden signed this executive order saying we can't say the phrase China virus? Well, where does that one end? You know, at what point can you not say anything? Or and how, or, do, you, and you, how know, do you enforce that? Yeah, how do you how do you make that one stick? Yeah. I also said I also asked a question in class in my senior level class. I said, "Did you know that the K through 12 system is basically a communist?" education system and that one provoked a little oh no it isn't no it isn't and then one person said how 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 what makes you say that and i said well first of all and i listed all of your books in my syllabus and i said well first of all you could go read dr sean brooks's books because he is the expert in this area but let me ask you um did you know that all of your teachers in the k-12 system do not have academic freedom <clears throat> excuse me they, they don't have the freedom to teach subjects in their area of interest, no matter what it is. They have to teach what the school board tells them to teach. And have you noticed what a top-down command and control system the K-12 system is? Did, did, did you see that? I mean, looking back, can you see that? And I had one student come out and said, this sure didn't work for me and I'm ADHD. And I said, there you go. And I said, why didn't it work? Why doesn't it work for ADHD or ADD students? And there was this long pause. And the, the same student came back and said, I, I wouldn't think the way they wanted me to. So there you go. Yeah. ADHD and ADD students are independent thinkers. And a, a top-down command and control system will not work for them because they are too independent. They, they can't be... Um, what was the word that I used? They can't be controlled the way all the other students can be controlled. They're not part of the herd. They're the ones leading the herd. Or they're the ones wandering off, you know, to the side doing their own thing. 
Yeah. And the more, and I don't know if you've noticed, but in since the early two thousands, we have had more and more and more um, di- students diagnosed with ADHD and ADD. Well, if you wanted to kill a communist K twelve education system, if you were God, what would you do? I'd produce more ADHD, ADD kids. I'd have them born into the population, and that would destroy it from within. Yeah. I can't tell you how many K-12 teachers that that I watched while my my children were going through the K-12 system. They would get to a point, and they'd say, I can't take it anymore. I have too many ADD, ADHD students. I, I I can't deal with them. I know. And they would quit, or they would retire. And and when I got to the university system, so, you know, here I am now, another 20 years on, I'm seeing it in the old professors. The old professors say, I can't take this. I can't deal with these kids. They just ask too many damn questions. I can't answer them all. I don't have answers for them. They're, they're, they're not controllable. I can't keep them going in one direction. And so my, my attitude has been, well, why try? Right. So my my response to ADD, ADHD kids is I just design a syllabus where they do their own thing in their own time, in their own way, in their own manner. You know, I know where the end point is. I know where I need everybody to kind of sort of be at the end point, but I don't care what path you take to get there. And some students are getting there a lot faster than if I were to, you know, have a... <laughs> have a carrot and stick attitude and mostly using the stick because sticks don't work on ADA, ADHD, ADD kids. They just really don't. Carrots barely work. Yeah, it's a sign of intellect. Yeah. I mean, it's a, char- yeah. it's a characteristic of an individual who has a higher level of intelligence and it, and it has always been that way. And uh, w- w- when you set up your syllabus or your class the way that you do where it's a a self-discovery, ask as many questions as you can, uh, and ask them to yourself first, and then investigate yourself. That that's going to that's going to produce uh, a healthy-minded individual who's you know being allowed to essentially exercise their full potential. Well, and that's that's to me that's the only way to do it. I mean, one of my kids was ADD and and ADHD. <clears throat> Even before it was a, a, an actual medical diagnosis, runs pretty strong in the family. So, you know, I've had my own up close and personal experiences with it as a mom and a family member. And the only way that I found that works is to say, okay, well, here are the boundaries. If you could just and make them really wide. If you could just stay within the boundaries. There's there's the end point over there. That's where we want to get to, and I don't care how you get there. And that's that's that works. I think that works much better than saying this is the only path you can take, and you can't wander off of it. Because the first thing they're going to do is wander off of it. That's I mean, tell it tell it tell a young person you can't, and the very first thing they're going to do is prove, oh yes, they can. Yeah. You know that was my problem as a. That was my problem as a young person. Just as soon as someone told me, you can't do that, I'd turn around and go, oh, yeah? Watch it. Just watch. <laughs> that reminds me That reminds me of kind of a funny story I think you're going to get a kick out of. When I was a little kid, 
the day before I the day before I, I was walking around the house and I was telling my parents I'm going to build a treehouse. Now we already had a fort in the backyard uh, that was made out of plywood and it was very very cool. But I looked at them and I said, oh, I'm going to build a treehouse and it's going to be a platform in that tree right over there and it's going to happen. And they just kind of went, okay. And uh, I woke up the next morning, had a bowl of cereal, and then uh, went out into the garage and grabbed my toolbox that my grandpa had built for me that was filled with tools. And I started walking out there with wood. I mean, I was, I was maybe eight years old, uh, maybe younger than that. And I just started nailing wood into the tree. And my parents were looking at me through the kitchen window, and they just started laughing. And they said, well, he's doing it. He's out there, and he said he would do it, and now he's doing it. So you'd better, yeah. get, out, you'd better get out there and help him before he cuts the tree down. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Before he does something, he puts it up cockeyed, and then he rolls off the platform. That's right. Yeah. And it, tur- yeah. And it turned out very nice. But, I mean, that right there, again, you know, that's you, – you, teachers have to let their students – have that kind of determination and not discourage that kind of determination. Um, I, because right. I, personally, I just think it's God given. It's innate. Yes. I was listening to a 17 year old on a podcast just this morning and she made a statement. She said, children are very high energy. They're very high frequency. They just, every day is the best day of their life. And, and what the K-12 system does is it, it, it forces that, that student into a small little tiny box where they have no freedom. And no wonder their, their energy is decreased and their, their um, I, I want to call it like a Schumann resonance, is d- declines because you beat up on, and I'm not talking physically, but if you mentally brainwash or indoctrinate a child long enough pretty soon all that interest in the outside world they'll just shut it up they'll just lock it up in a little tiny room they won't touch it they'll be they'll for most of them they'll you know they'll go along with the rest of the herd they'll be very sheep-like but if you can if you can find a a teacher and i'm not talking in the k-12 system i'm just talking anyone who is a a teacher to get them to go into that room and start looking and unlocking the door and and throwing open the windows and pretty soon that that student that child frees up their ability to think a communist system does not want free thinkers and in fact you know you're headed towards a communist system when free thought is discouraged and then and then they have to, you know, they first they, they discourage it, and then they use try to use intimidation, and pretty soon they're using force. And we've seen this throughout the last 150 years. We've, we've watched this happen in other countries, even within our own lifetimes. And so I think that, I think that one of the things that, and I don't want to sound like I'm a Bible thumper or anything, but I think that one of the things that God has done is he's thrown into our populations these kinds of independent people, starting with ADD, ADHD, and and more since more and more of them are being born in the population, that tells me that this kind of a system is not going to last. And then you bring on this pandemic, and you send all the kids home to learn at their own rate or their own pace. And what I'm finding is, for example, my daughter said, well, you know, 
me and me and uh, she and her husband wanted the the kid to do like mathematics and engineering and stuff. But turns out, no, that's not what he likes. No, he likes art and building things. And I'm thinking, see, already he's showing his parents exactly what he wants to do. Now they're they're wise enough to to say this is really cool and keep doing it rather than squash it out and say, no, you've got to do this other stuff. Um, yeah. But I'm, I'm just, you know, I'm because I don't have my own children at home learning the, the things that the school says that they should learn, I know that the students that are coming to me into my classes, more and more of them are admitting I was homeschooled. I chose your class because I heard you're a free thinker. I chose your class because you have you have a way of teaching that will work with me. And um, so I'm getting. I, it used to be just one or two students were homeschooled. Now, of course, it's a whole bunch of them because they've been homeschooled. Yep. And I think that I think that this will continue. And I just think I just think this is one of the marvelous silver linings that have come out of this. Um, pandemic that we had. This this is great. This is going to turn out really good. This is going to turn out good for parents. It's going to turn out good for students, and and eventually, it's going to have the knock on ripple effects of being good for our country too. Just you, you I just can't imagine twenty million students being homeschooled at home, and and parents insisting insisting that they follow the school curriculum, I can just imagine the students saying, you know what, I'm just really not that good at math. And the parent says, well, do the best you can. And then, you know, it's kind of like, it's kind of like, eat your, eat your spinach and then you can have dessert. You know, eat your spinach, go ahead and do this little bit of math and then we'll go over here and we'll do this thing you really want to do. Yeah. <laughs> eat, eat your greens and then we'll go have dessert. And you so I, I just... I just can't imagine parents, once they have come up against the stubbornness of a child, I can't imagine that they're not going to fold. Can you? No. I mean, there, 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 there are so many, and I've had conversations with them uh, on the podcast before, one in particular who, you know, as a family, it's three of them, husband, wife, and, and young daughter in first grade, and um, she was furloughed. Uh, at, at her her medical job, and and they just sat down as a family and they said we we can't we can't keep sending our daughter to this environment where she's being beaten. I mean she's coming right. she's coming home with bruises on her arms. She has scrapes on her face. We send her out and she's fine. We bring her back and she's damaged. Um, right. We, we we can't we can't do that as logical human beings trying to raise a healthy healthy minded human being. Um, and they they made the decision for the wife to quit her job, and uh, they you know they circled the wagons as a family, and they homeschool, and they use Calvert Education and CalvertEducation.com as their as their mode of learning, and they love it, and they can't imagine yeah. they can't imagine ever going back to anything like what they were previously doing. And that's all because the pandemic came along, and it forced them to reevaluate their situation so you know there's there's I think my opinion is that most parents love their children 
I would say 99.99% of parents dearly love their children, would do anything for them. They want their children to have better than they had. They want their children to be better than, than they were. They want their children to be successful. And I think that I think that this pandemic was just the opportunity of a lifetime. And like your friends, I think there are going to be a lot of parents who have had to sit down and reevaluate not just their home budget financial situation, but also what their children are going through because they love their children. And, and this is going to turn out good for us in the long run. And, and I don't know how long this is, but, but I'll bet you anything we're, we're coming on here to a year of the pandemic. We're, we're rounding the corner to the end of the year. And I'll bet you anything, a lot of these parents aren't going to send their kids back to the K-12 system. It's just going to crumble under its own weight. Yeah. I, I find it, I, I agree with you, and I, and I find it funny that even many of these schools uh, who are fully open, the K-12 schools in particular, that they've apparently abandoned their own vernacular when it comes to differentiated instruction or uh, they throw around the word diversity all of the time. If they were really interested in that, why not have a blend of both? Uh, just a blend of both learning environments. Why not have you know, why not have them show up to a brick-and-mortar school two days two days out of the week, and then the other three, they're learning online at home? Why does it have to be five days five days in a brick-and-mortar environment, and that's the only way it can be? Because like we've just discussed and like what has been revealed, uh, it doesn't have to be that way. And, they, right. and they've just proven that it doesn't have to be that way. Right. Well, there's... For the, for, the, for the parents who have sent their students back to a brick-and-mortar school, what kind of changes are they going to see in their kids to, where the, to the point where they sit down and say, why am I paying all these taxes for this crap? Yeah. This is ridiculous. So, so I think, personally, just kind of taking five steps back away from the edge and looking at the movement of the herd, I'm, I'm thinking that as events proceed day by day, more and more people are going to wake up. And, and it won't be Trump's base because I think most of Trump's base is already awake. It's going to be everybody else. And it's not going to be Trump waking them up. It's going to be the left waking them up. So I think we are in for, I think we are in for an evolution. I don't want to say revolution because that connotates violence. I think we are in for a great awakening amongst not just not just people in the United States, but around the world. And I think we wouldn't be in this position without the pandemic. I think that everything that the left has tried to throw against Trump, I think has, has boomeranged back on them. And I'm kind of, I'm a little bit interested to see what this whole impeachment thing um, rolls out because just before he left, literally the night before he left, Trump declassified everything. And and smart people are going to use that in the impeachment trial to wake up even more people. 
Yeah, I agree. And and so I, I just I can't I, just, I can't wait to yeah. see who who his lawyers are going to be. I mean, I, I'm wondering whether or not this thing is even going to take place. Well, one wonders. Yeah, one will not know until we get there. True. And and I just I so I think that um, this young person I was listening to this morning said she had she had an epiphany. She said, everything that we're watching is a movie. And I've, I've heard that from other people, but she said, I, she said, I just suddenly realized that the character playing Biden and the character playing Kamala and all these other characters in the White House, they're just playing a role. Whether they want to or not, they're being forced to expose who they really are. Because they can't help themselves. <laughs> yeah. Yep. They just can't help themselves. Yeah, it's, em and, it's and embarrassing. More, it really is. The more executive orders that these that that um, Biden writes, they're getting more and more and more outrageous. And at some point, it some executive order somewhere is going to touch someone personally, and they're going to go, "This is ridiculous." Yeah. So I think it's a good thing. I keep, you know, people, people, you can, you can get wound up and, and you can get enveloped in all of what's going on and you won't be able to see, um, I'm, uh, you won't be able to see the forest for the trees until you set aside your, your upsetness, your anger, your fear, um, and, and take a couple steps back and take a deep breath and say, okay, there is good here. Where is it? Let me see it. There is good here. And, and you know, this is, this is, and, and then in the same breath that I'm going to say that, I'm going to say, okay, what if the worst happens? We really are stuck with a Biden administration. Trump doesn't save us. Q is a great big fake. You know, trust the plan was just a phrase to keep everybody sitting in their couch. What if? What, and, and I said, yeah, what if? So what? We lived. We lived through the Obama administration. Now, it wasn't pleasant, but, you know, we're still breathing. You know, we could, there's, there's nothing that says I can't go out in my backyard and enjoy my trees and my garden. Um, you know, you just, you take each day and find the happy parts in it. And the more you look for the happy parts, the more happy parts you'll find until pretty soon your whole day is filled with happiness. And it doesn't matter what these bozos are doing in Washington. It really doesn't. And the more happiness that you have in your life, wasn't that the whole point? Aren't we supposed to be happy? Isn't that what life is all about? Being happy and joyful and, and loving yourself and loving your family and loving your community? Isn't that why we're here? I think so. So, yeah, maybe some of this is uncomfortable. So stop looking at it for a minute. Stop poking at that wound. Start looking around. Find the little pieces that make you happy. And and just keep looking because you'll find them. I mean, that's, that's inherently human. We ask a question, we find the answer. So go out and start looking. Start asking the questions. Be happy. Thank you for listening to American Education FM. Don't forget to check out AmericanEducationFM.com. 
where you can make a small donation or even email us and be a guest on the podcast. Until next time, never stop learning, never stop reading, and never stop unlearning. Thanks for listening, and God bless.